0: welcome back to dad vocals we've been away for a couple of weeks sam went to the us and there was a little bit of dad flu going on too but um we're back this week with a massive massive app um we've got lauren in the studio our first mum Vocaler, um and lauren's story is one of tragedy and courage um trigger warning um lauren lost her husband um, just over two years ago and um, she talks through the triumphs and, and tribulations of raising her daughter Ayla after losing her husband. Um, an absolutely incredible episode. Um, have a listen and, and thanks so much to Lauren for coming on. Welcome to Dad Focals, the show where we look at life through the lens of a dad. We're no experts, and we're not here to offer advice. We're here to exchange stories on the triumphs and tribulations of dadding. I'm Sam, dad to three boys, Sonny, Van and Otis. And I'm Tom, dad to three girls, Bella, Etty and Maeve.
1: Settle in for a listen, with or without your Dad Focals on, and enjoy.
0: Remember, if you have any questions, suggestions or want to discuss any triggers, you can reach us at Dad Focals on the socials and dadfocals at gmail.com on the email. The links are in the show notes. Let the games begin. All right, we're back in the box. How are we, Tommy? I'm very good, mate, very good. We've got a very special guest in today, which I'm super excited about. Yeah. Welcome, Lauren.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me, boys.
0: Uh, welcome to Dadfocals, <laughs> Lauren. It's um, You're the, the first woman we've had on Dad Focals.
2: I was wondering that. Super yeah. exciting. Very
0: exciting. Does that classes is progressive men now, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we're, we're an inclusive <laughs> podcast. But, I mean, as
1: we've spoken about before, when we started this, we thought that the listeners would be middle-aged, you know, 30-something, 40-something-year-old men, um, and some of... Our biggest fans are women. Lauren being one yeah. of them. Lauren's mum yeah. being the other one. I think they're number one and two ticket holders. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but it is—it's awesome to have Lauren on today. And you know, for everyone that's listening and wondering why, like we've got Lauren on, I think her story is um, one that it's—it's—it's it's, it's big. It's a big story, and it's—it's um, it's one that I've got to know quite well over the last few years. And. Um, I think it's a story that's got a lot of layers to it and it's worth sto- worth worth telling and, and, and worth listening to. So I hope everyone gets a lot out of it.
0: Yeah. First of all, so I want to yep. question your qualification on this podcast. Qualification? Hang on. You sit here and you, you preach, you know, you, we, we claim we, we don't give advice and stuff. But come on, there's a few pointers in there. So <laughs> Bella's heading off to District Cross Country on Tuesday <laughs> and we talked about surrounding, you know, people with the village and trusted people men and women and, and what was the hot tip you gave my eight-year-old daughter well i know okay. that
1: you're look sometimes tommy i know you're very like you're a, a, a well you're a very considerate respectful person and sometimes girls the, your girls need to learn what it's like on the streets and i don't think they're going <laughs> to go i don't think they're going to get that from you so i gave Belle the um the advice lauren so she's going to district yeah right and Tom and Flicker put a heap of pressure on her to do really well. (laughs) (laughs) They've gone to district and I said to Bal, look, if there's someone coming past you, just stick your leg out. Oh my (laughs) gosh. And just (laughs) making sure that no one sees you, no umpires or officials or anything, but it's a sure way to, you know, to 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 maximize your ability and I don't know what Belle thought when I said
0: that. She sort of looked at me
1: and her brain was ticking. I was sure to
0: let her know I was joking, but what what, you wouldn't go with that strategy? Perhaps that's what she was doing on the start line when her shoe came off. And it backfired, (laughs) it backfired. Yeah, no, her her shoe came off on the start line. Actually, on a serious note, super proud that moment because she... She's there, she's lined up with 60 girls, right? 60 grade, two girls. They've got to run across an oval towards their parents and towards this bank of other kids. And then they go off around the back, around the, around the sort of forest. And her shoe came off on the start line, whether she was trying to, trying trying to, to, trip, trying someone to trip someone up. up or not, I'll never know. <laughs> but, but regardless, the shoe comes off and rather than kind of burst into tears, be embarrassed, run straight into the arms of her parents or, or teachers or whatever, she just put her head down. She absolutely bolted across the, the oval.
2: Wait, and, uh, shoeless? Or she put no, the... no, she,
0: she put it back on. Put it back, put back, on, back on and on. then bolted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, caught up half the field. And, and you know, honestly, uh, prouder than if she'd won it. Mm. So proud that she just kept going. And... and um, she was recognised with, with a couple of you know little awards at school as well for mm. that. And yeah, super proud dad yeah. moment, despite you trying to de- derail her. And, uh, <laughs> she would have got a few, few places higher up <laughs> if she hadn't knocked a few kids out. Speaking of proud
1: parent sporting moments, yes. so Lauren's daughter Ayla and my middle son Van have just started their in the basketball team. And it's, it's their preps. So, it's, so cute. It, it is yeah, the yeah. cutest thing you could ever imagine. Um, it is a boys' team and it a boys' competition, a yeah. but there's two girls, Ayla and another um, girl, Isla, that play. And I'm just like, it's just awesome, specifically around those two girls, how they just seem completely unfazed yeah. by the fact that they, they are all boys. And last week we played against a team of grade ones that were all heaps bigger and heaps better. Yeah. Um, and the girls just went about it. It was yeah. awesome.
2: No, it is. It's really good to watch. Yeah. I love at that age in particular that they. Just don't care about gender. There's another yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. They're not
1: intimidated, especially no. not Ayla and Isla. Those two, I, I yeah. don't have daughters, but those two <laughs> girls in particular just do yeah.
0: not seem
1: the slightest bit of play, yeah. which is awesome.
2: Well, I mean, she loves wrestling with both of you. Yeah, so. yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: No, she's amazing. I walked to school with her this morning and with a, with a group of others and, um, she called me donkey head the whole way. Donkey Don- head? Donkey head, yeah. Cause and? What was she, that? Because, well, first of all, she asked if I could carry her bag. Oh. And I we, we carried each other's bags and stuff like <laughs> that. And then I sort of said, I'm not a donkey. And so she proceeded to call me a donkey head. So, Aina's not afraid of <laughs> intimidation. No. Yeah, she's, she, she's... she's a cracking lass. She's yeah. absolutely awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, as we said, Loz, we're really honoured to have you on the pod uh, today. So, yeah, do you want to sort you. of kick off with, with your story?
2: I grew up on the other side of the bay, so Western Port Bay, like Hastings-Bitton sort of area. Um, I've got an older brother and a younger brother. Um, growing up I was heavily involved in sport, um, mainly athletics, netball and swimming. Um, that probably started when I was like nine I guess. Um, so that was like my mm. athletics in particular was mm. like my main yep. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess listening to some of your previous podcasts, I definitely agree with what you say about like the values and things that sport mm. definitely like instill mm. in kids. Mm. Um, so I'm the big one for like pushing Ayla to do different sports. Doesn't matter. I don't mind what sport it is, mm. but just to get involved in different sports. Um, I went to school in Manaliza, so I went to private school, in Manaliza. Um, after school, I went into real estate for about six years. And then I was like, you know what, I don't really love the long hours and the weekends and um, everything else. I think particularly at that age, everyone was having 18th, 21st, like all of this, and I'm stuck at work until, you know, like seven o'clock on a Saturday night or whatever mm. it is, and then rushing off to... Um, meet them all. Um, yeah, I always see
0: the people putting out the signs on, yeah, the, that's it. on a Saturday morning, going nah. when it's <laughs> raining and like yeah, 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 it's
2: full, full on. Like I really enjoyed it and I learnt a lot of, I think, really good skills. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of work, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, so then I, so my dad's a financial planner, um, and my husband, who I met at school. He was also a financial planner, um, so I moved across and started working there and started studying. So,
1: so Glenn, your husband was working for your dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And so did that come through that connect? Like, was that just coincidence? Yes, or, okay.
2: No. So we we met at school. Yeah, uh, Glenn and I met at school. So, um, I mean, we were friends like pretty much always through school, and then we had class together when I was in. I think I was in year 11. We had class together. Um, And then a few years later, we started dating. So I was 16 at the time or just turned 17. Um, And he was the year above me. And then once he finished, he went to uni and he didn't know exactly what he wanted to do, but it was going to be like in the finance industry. So then once he started um, at uni, he was doing like part-time work at dad's work, just admin and like mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. Um, and then the more he learnt about it, the more he decided that that was like mm-hmm. the avenue that he wanted to go down. So once he finished uni, that's, yeah, what he did. Um, so, yeah, then we started started working together. Um, and then, yeah, I did my diploma and everything from mm-hmm.
1: there. So, Loz, go back to your upbringing, so yes. heaps of sport. Yep. So, again, this is a podcast about dad dads. mm mm-hmm. um, what sort of influence and impact did your dad have on you as a kid? Did yep. he introduce you to sport or what was...
2: He was and still is like heavily involved in sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like definitely a big passion of his. Mm-hmm. So um, he grew up really involved in footy and cricket. Um, and then I guess once he got older and stopped playing, he got more involved in like the committee level. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of... Uh, like fundraising type stuff for the clubs because, as you know, they don't run without, like, money. Um, so, yeah, he was always a massive supporter and I feel like we really bonded over sport. It didn't matter what the sport was. Yeah. Like, um, I would go with him when, like, you know, to the AFL, yeah. watch – we went from out well, we go for Melbourne. So we'd go and watch um, Melbourne play. He's into golf, so I would just, like, go along mm when he'd be like chipping and putty and just like join in with him and um lots of bike rides growing up. Yep. Um yeah. yeah.
1: So when you, you were in real estate yep. and Glenn was working for your dad. Yep. So was it around leaving real estate? Was it about getting out of real estate? Was it going towards financial planning or was it working with Glenn? What was the <sighs> what was the Trump card?
2: I feel like it was a bit of everything. I just I remember distinctly dad calling me one night.
0: I feel like it was like a Thursday
2: night or something. It was about six thirty um and he was just calling me just to check in and i answered the phone and he's like what are you doing and i was like i'm at work and he's like you're crazy he's like do you like we just had this conversation about like is that really what you want to be doing like long term mm-hmm. do you still love it um his like one of the girls like the power planners at his work was leaving and she'd been there for like 30 odd years and so i think he was at the same time angling, like, we've got a position coming up. Like, I think he'd be great for it. But Mm. also I think he was worried of, like, pushing me to do it if that's not something that I wanted to do. So I think Mm. he was really lightly trying to just assess, like, where I was at. Um, And I think it's something that had been on my mind already, not necessarily getting into financial planning, but doing something else. Um, And so then I obviously, like, had a chat to Glenn about it and I was like, well, what am I going to lose from going giving it a go? Um, I knew I wasn't going to be working directly with dad, which was really important for me because I didn't want to, I don't know, I very much wanted that relationship to be um, separate given yeah. that he was like the business owner. I just, I don't know, I just had something weird about that. Um, so, yeah, and mm. then that's what I did. There we go. Yeah. Did you always go
0: to your dad for advice for, for sort of big advice like that or was it sometimes mum sometimes dad or did you tend to sort of work through those decisions yourself or with, with Glenn or
2: i feel like it depends what it was um i think like i pretty much bounce everything off mum so definitely yeah. certain things for sure off dad um again i think it depends sort of like what it is yeah um but yeah definitely with Glenn like Obviously, if he was already working there, I wanted to make sure that was a move that he was going to be comfortable mm. um, with. So when I started, I was working for another advisor. So I never, I didn't work like right. with Glenn initially. Yeah. Once I um, had been working there for longer and um, everything, then I I did. Um, but I think that was nice as well to start mm. not directly under him. Yeah. 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 <laughs> cool. yeah.
0: And then. Um then you, you started family with, with Glynn
2: Yeah, so, so we got engaged in 2014 um, and then we got married in 2016. Um, we did a lot of traveling and stuff like before we got engaged and got married. Um, so we we're very lucky from that respect. Mm. Um, and then after we got married in the April of 2016, In the June, July, we went overseas. That was like a delayed honeymoon for us. Um, And we'd always like wanted to start a family. So we decided like when we get back from the honeymoon, that's like the next step for us. Um, So we did, I had a lot of trouble falling pregnant. I think doing the athletics when I was younger, um, I was pushed to go on the pill. Because my periods were interrupting. Wow. Yeah, really? were interrupting um, my training,
1: Gee.
2: and my coach wasn't about it. So
1: is that, a, is that a thing? Is that a is that what?
2: Thankfully, what, I don't think it is so much now, but back right. then it very much was.
1: So it like what early teens you were?
2: Yeah. And this is club level, state level, district level, national, national yeah. level, national yeah. Level, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, there was a couple of times at training where she pulled me aside and she was like... It was
0: a female coach.
2: Female coach, yep. She pulled me aside and she was like, what's mm. up? And I'm like, I just feel very average, mm. like blah, blah, blah. I was like, I've got my period. I'm really tired, like whatever. And she's like, you look pale. Like sometimes she'd send me home early. Sometimes she would just like give me a lighter session. Um. And then, yeah, after a bit, she was like, you know, I think you... Mm. I think you're best to go to the doctor and go on the pill and... Like, we can't have it interfering with you.
0: I'm blown away by that. And what about your,
1: and and certainly no judgment, but what did your parents think about that at the time?
2: Yeah, so it was something that I don't remember ever discussing with Dad. Um, With Mum, she came with me. We went to a female doctor who was supposedly very, like, well-versed in, like, that sort of um, era. And by the sounds of it, perhaps, where this coach sent other girls. Um, so, yeah, off we went, and yeah. it was, I don't know, like the way it was explained to us you was just like, that is, yeah, that is what you would, you know, yeah. Um, but I think, like, not only was I then on the pill, I was skipping periods for like months at a time because when you're competing, there is no good time to get your period. Yeah, like, so
1: you just, keep ta- you just
2: keep taking the pill. Yeah, just keep taking it. Wow. Well, yeah. um, so then yeah. when it came to me coming off the pill, for my cycles to actually get regular, my body didn't know what it was doing. So mm. I could go like four months between like a period. Mm. So trying to fall pregnant is obviously not well, easy well, if you're not um, getting your period. So that delayed that a little bit. I worked really closely with um, like a Chinese herbalist. I don't know if you've had much. Um, Yeah, Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, So I I did that and that definitely, definitely helped. Um, But yeah, so I ended up falling pregnant. Um,
1: Naturally.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. naturally. Um, I was super sick with morning sickness. Mm. Um, So I vomited multiple times every day. Cravings? No, not no. really. I just felt so average.
1: You know what so Mel's Mel's tell when she so um, I've got a theory that the pregnancy, like the morning sickness, yeah. determines the jet. So Mel's pregnancies were all exactly the same, yeah. and three boys, right? Anyway, her tell was she would eat sausage rolls for breakfast. Oh. That's how you knew Mel was pregnant <laughs> because she'd be, <laughs> she'd, be <laughs> she'd be vomiting and eating sausage rolls for breakfast. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. Right.
2: No, yeah. no, mine was um. Yeah, I, like, struggled to mm. eat mm. because I just felt so average. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so then um, I think I stopped vomiting every day around 21 weeks um, and started to feel normal again. But during that time, Glenn, so he was heavily involved with the cricket club. Um, so he played premier cricket. Um, and he was going to training and stuff, as they do, um, and there was just a couple of times where he was like, like said he felt average, didn't have energy, um, was having to like run to the bathroom, like mid-session, that sort of thing. How old's um, Glenn at this stage, Laurie? Oh, he was 27. Yeah. 20, yeah, 27, I think. So
1: just to be clear, you're pregnant at this stage. Pregnant at
2: this stage, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and... Um, I was like, maybe you need to go and get tested for, like, food intolerances. Mm. And so we sort of had been, like, aware of it for maybe, like, a couple of months. And then he booked in to see a naturopath. Um, And sure enough, the naturopath was like, I'd love to run some bloods, do some food intolerance testing, like, that sort of stuff. Um, And then the results came back and she just called him and was like, your liver function's, like, way off. I want you to go to the GP, do some more tests, and then, like, you can come back and see me. Um... So that was the plan. He made an appointment to to the, see the doctor. Um, I think that was maybe she called on, say, like the Monday and the appointment with the doctor was going to be like the Thursday or Friday that week. Um, but on the Wednesday night, he ended up in emergency at Frankston. Um, he'd been away with some friends the weekend before um, and had felt so, so average. Um... And he got back and he didn't go to work on the Monday or the Tuesday and me having morning sickness. I was like, come on mate, like mm. I'm getting up, I'm going to work. I'm like, mm. get out of bed. Yeah. Um, but, um, so by the Wednesday I got home from work, he still hadn't been to work on the Wednesday. Um, I got home from work and he was in bed and he looked terrible and I'm like, What's going on? And he's like, I've had diarrhea like all day. I feel so sick, like yeah. and he's like, When I went to the toilet, it's just blood. Mm. And I'm like, Why didn't you call me? I was like, Why are you still sitting here? Why mm. haven't you gone to the doctor? Like I was just like, Oh yeah. my goodness. Um and so we I took him to you know that like after hours clinics that yeah. they have. Yeah. So at the time we we're living in Frankston, so we went to um the big after-hours clinic there and um, went and saw the doctor in there and he just wrote a, like, a, a note essentially and was like, I want you to go to the emergency department at Frankston, take this note and they'll, like, do whatever tests they think that need to be done and um, see what's happening. He's like, um, it could be cancer, it could be Crohn's disease, it could be... And he just, like, listed, like, a whole heap of things and oh. I just looked and I was just like,
1: oh, shit. Yeah. Mm.
2: And I was like, oh, my God, I don't even know what to think at this stage. And so we went and sat in Frankston Emergency for maybe it would have been quite a few hours. And then he got taken through. And by this time, it was about 11 o'clock and I hadn't had dinner or anything. And so I like had been going to the vending machine and like mm-hmm. getting chips and whatever else they have. And um, Glenn was like there's no point you being here. He's like, you need to go home. You need to have something to eat. You need to have some sleep. Like, mm. I'm just going to get tests and stuff. Come back, you know, first thing in the morning. So, do that. Go home. Set the alarm for the morning. I think I set it for, I don't know, 7, 7.30. Something like that. And I, I wake up to all these messages um, from Glenn. Just asking me when else can coming in. And, um, I called him and I was like, yeah, I'm like, I'm coming. And he's like, yeah, okay, cool. And he was super short on the phone.
0: Mm.
2: And um, then I get in there and I can still see him just sitting in his bed. Just crying. And I was like, what's up? And he just told me straight out that in the morning at like 6.30, all of these doctors just went into his room and just stood around him and just like told him straight out that he's got cancer and um like what's going on and he had he had no no one else in there with him and it just yeah it just sounded like it was just like really not a nice yeah Yeah. totally and like for him not to have any support or anything Mm. um and so then I had to try and like track down the doctor and find out what was going on um and then I called his parents and i just i didn't tell them over the phone what was going on i was just like look glenn's been like really unwell as you kind of like know we actually like ended up at the hospital last night um like he'd really love you to come in and see him and i was actually fine telling them like i think when they got there they didn't like expect anything like too much um you're being strong
0: yeah i don't know i think i was just in shock like
2: Yeah. yeah And just the thought of telling them, I was like, no, I actually can't do that. Hmm. Um, Yeah, so then they came in and we told them and um, I called my mum and I I told my mum. um, And then I called dad because we were supposed to be going to his for dinner the night that we ended up at um, the hospital. And I was like, you know how, like... We didn't come last night because he was unwell and we ended up at hospital well like this is like what's going on and so he came straight in and um he was just like you know this is why you have private health and i was like what do you mean because they were just they were being so slow with what was going to happen and i think his case was very unusual and it was like it was already stage four so it was like quite far along um and he's like yeah this is why you have private health like you can get in with whoever you want to Um, And, yeah, I don't know. It's really weird to think. But at that time, it was, like, my brain just, like, wasn't even there. So he took over from, like, that side of it and he made a lot of phone calls and whatever else and we ended up um, getting a team at um, Cabrini who, um, like, all specialised in that sort of thing because Frank's we're going to have to get someone, like, specific (laughs) in to do the surgery and they couldn't give us a time as to when that would happen. So, or.
1: That, so you're talking immediately. You're talking like the day after we yeah. went in. They want to do surgery straight
2: away. Yeah, so they requested like test after test after yeah. test. And um, a lot of it was like fasting. So he wasn't eating for like...
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> he was honestly like hardly eating. The poor thing was getting so skinny. But um, yeah, once all of the tests were done that Frankston wanted, we were then discharged from Frankston, which was like, such an odd mm-hmm. thing. But they were sort of like, you know, there's nothing else we can do. If you're going to go, like, elsewhere, they'll, like, book you in. So it was so weird. We walked out of there knowing how sick he was, but we were just going about our day. And they you knew it was
1: stage four. They
2: told you. Straight out. Yeah. yeah. Told us straight out. We definitely didn't know what that was going to look like. Yeah. Um, like, you obviously know it's not good, but, mm. yeah, I guess you did not really know. So then we got in with these um specialist at Cabrini that then wanted more tests and all of the stuff so we went through that um then he had surgery um so that was a bowel resection and then it went from the bowel to the liver so the, the cancer was bowel liver and lungs already and lymph nodes um so they did the bowel resection so they removed like a big chunk of his bowel and then they were able to like essentially join it back together so he didn't need a, um, a bag which was awesome because that would have been a whole nother another thing um and they also did a liver resection so I think the surgery was maybe about six hours and the surgeon called me after and he was super happy with how it all went um so mom drove me that night to see him um I think we got there maybe like nine thirty or so um And he was in ICU because that's just where they go after like a big surgery like that and we had to walk through and see like everyone and I like that was really confronting for me because as you can imagine people in ICU like they're really sick and Mm. you can see like a lot of different things and then we we get to Glyn there was so many things that were hooked up to him and I was obviously by this stage I was probably 27 weeks pregnant maybe um, and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to faint. And I didn't want to freak him out. And I just looked at mom and I was so sweaty. And I was like, trying to mm-hmm. like, let her know that like, I need to sit down or I need help or something without like freaking him out. So then I ended up sitting down and the nurses had to come in and look after me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was, yeah, it was like really nice to see him that night. And he was actually, he was actually in really good spirits. I don't know if it was the drugs or what, but, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he was, he was pretty good. And then he was in there for 10 days, I think it was. So just, like, up and back every every day. Mm-hmm. I was trying to work at the same time. So when he was sleeping, I, like, had my laptop, like, tapping away. Because, um, of course, by this stage, we, like, worked together. And so we had however many clients mm-hmm. that had applications in the system mm-hmm. that had claims on the go that, like, whatever. Um,
0: Not to mention a baby that's... Yeah, a
2: that, yeah, baby that's cooking. We had many jokes, yeah, I guess, about um how it was supposed to be me. That was, you know, it was my turn to have the attention and my turn to be in hospital and um all of this stuff. But, um yeah. And then after his surgery, so we were in there for 10 days, and then I think he was home for maybe a week, and then he started chemo, like, straight after, which was mind-blowing because... Like, he was so weak after the operation and um, to think that he was then going to go straight into the chemo, like, we were just like, oh, like, I don't know how this is going to go. Like, um, that was like scary in itself. Um, And then there was a lot that came with the chemo. Um, Like, I had to be super careful because I was pregnant. So if he was vomiting... I wasn't allowed to clean it up. We weren't allowed to use the same toilet. Like, there was a lot of, Mm. like, protocols, I guess, that mm. we had to follow when he was having his scans. I wasn't allowed to go. Mm. I wasn't supposed to be with him, like, even after, because, like, your body, like, holds on to the um, radiation Radiation. and stuff. Yeah, so it, it was... wild it really was like it was
1: (laughs) Had either up until that point either you or glenn been affected by cancer before family or
2: yes yep so when i was was probably about eight maybe um i had an uncle that passed away from a brain tumor so mum's brother um so he was i think he was 39 when he died. And he was two weeks from diagnosis to death. Um, and then on my other side, so dad's side, my uncle passed away um, also of cancer. His was more of a longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then my grandma also had lung cancer. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's just so uh, the reason I ask is touch wood, but I'm Fortunate that I haven't had any family members go through that, but just the whole surgery, chemo thing—it's just—it's so foreign to me. And yeah. just seeing someone, especially your partner, go through it must be yeah. really, really tough. Yeah, yeah.
2: I think the actual—again, um, it's really confronting sitting in there when they're all hooked up to yeah. the machines because they literally they're their, their bed, like their beds or their chairs—you know, like reclining chairs—are just lined up all next to each other. Mm. And it's just like a big open sort of space. And sometimes people will pull the curtains around, but for the most time, it's just, it's open. And the women that are typically having breast cancer have like the cooling scalp caps on to help them with, um, hopefully not lose so much of their hair. Um, And like over time you sort of get to know like who has like what type of cancer and Mm -hmm. um, that sort of thing. But yeah, that environment is also like a lot. Um, And you sit there all day.
0: Yeah. Do, do you remember the kind of conversations you were having or the theme of the conversations with Glenn around Ayla coming into the world?
2: Mm, um. I would say that for the most part, particularly at the start, um, we didn't speak too much into the future, I think, because it was just so unknown and so painful that mm. it was just... It was very in the moment. Mm. Like um, I think, as time went on, sure we spoke about sports that she might be into, or schools that she might go to, or like more general stuff. Um, is that sort of what you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: How did you? How were you preparing to? Oh, well, I mean, there was un, it was unknown, right? You had no idea at this stage how long Glynn was going to no. live for. No. So you weren't. I assume you. Well, you weren't preparing at all, either way. You weren't preparing to have him around or you weren't preparing for him not to be there either? Is that? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, So I think that's where our personalities differed. I would like updates as to timeframes or things like that, whereas he didn't want to know any of it, which like I I can understand, but um, I think I'm more of the person that's like, give me the facts. And I'll deal with it the best I can. I don't know that I love the unknown, but I think that comes back to me being like a bit of a perfectionist and mm. I like things a certain way and whatever else. So I think that's more of a, um, yeah, like a personality thing. But I just had to respect that, like, you know, he didn't want to know. And I let him lead the questions. Mm. Um, and we did have conversations like around that. Mm. Um, and he was always like, I don't want to know. And I'm like, that's, that's mm. entirely up to you. Like, I have to respect that. Like,
1: yeah. 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 Well.
2: I'm here to support you because that's like, yeah, I'm not going through it like you're going through it. So mm. like, it just, mm. yeah. yeah.
0: And how long did the first round of chemo
2: uh, last for? You? Yeah. So he would go in every Tuesday. Um, so he would usually have an appointment with the oncologist around 8, 8.15. Um, so we'd leave home seven-ish. Um, We'd go in, we'd have the appointment with the oncologist, then we'd go downstairs to actually have the treatment. Um, you would usually leave around four, Um, so he would be coming back in the traffic, which was always fun. Um, He would then come home that night with a bottle of chemo attached to him. So he had an operation to have like, it's called a port, goes in and so then the chemo gets like put straight into the port rather than through like the veins in the arms Mm. um so yeah he would come home with a small bottle that was attached to him um that would continue to feed chemo like overnight he would then go back in on the wednesday to have the bottle changed over so he would get a new bottle and he would come home again and then on the thursday he would go back in to get disconnected so then he would be free from wow. the bottle so
0: 3 3 days of...
2: yeah and that was every two weeks mm. yeah. so usually by sort of the saturday sunday he was starting to feel better mm. um energy and just general mm. like nausea and that sort of thing was yeah usually better by like the saturday or sunday and then he'd have a week of what he'd call his good week, um, where he'd try and play golf and spend time with us and um, mm. do all those, yeah, sort of things before it start like starts again. Mm-hmm.
1: So fast forward, and Ayla's born. Yes. Um, so at, at this stage, Glynn is still in chemo? Still going yeah. Through chemo. Right. Yeah. So okay.
2: um, I w- went over with Ayla, so I was um booked in to have an induction on the Monday and he was booked to go back into chemo on the Tuesday but that whole lead up I had so much anxiety of going into labor when he's at the hospital or when he's really unwell um I actually didn't know how it worked with like if the hospital would allow him in when he's got chemo attached to him I don't know I just had so many so many things that were going around in my head um So when we had the date of the induction booked in, I kind of felt a bit of relief knowing that, Mm. well, at least hopefully she'll be born by the time he's like due to go back in. Um, I ended up going into labor. Um, So she was booked in on the Monday. I went in to labor on the Saturday. Um, It was actually a bit of a funny story. So um, one of his best friends was over at our house and We had a puppy and they had a puppy. That was a spoodle. And so he's over and they're playing with the puppies and like doing whatever. And I'm like, at this stage, I'm in like the early stages of labor. And I called mom and mom came over and um, mom's like, what's he doing? I'm like, he's just outside playing with a puppy. And mom's like, I think he should be like, you know, getting ready. Because I think we're going to have to go to the hospital soon. Because I was just the type of like, person that he was, like, super chill, laid mm. back, like, whatever. And mom's like, come on, let's go. Mm. <laughs> um, so, I forgot what we were talking about. What were we talking
1: about before? <clears throat> so, A, was birth. And then where, when was that in his? Oh, uh,
2: yeah. Sorry. Sort of um Yeah, so it ended up that... He was obviously able to be there, which was amazing. Um I ended up having her about four AM in the morning. On the Sunday. Um, yes. And he was so exhausted. Like there's a photo that mum took of um him and I. We were both like so I was kneeling on the floor and I had my arms like on the side of the bed and he was like doing the same thing and but he was just like literally resting. Like I thought he was gonna fall asleep. He was so tired. Um but, yeah, amazing that he was, he was obviously able to be there. And then um, we got discharged on the Monday.
0: So there was, there was no induction in the end.
2: She came. No induction came in the end. She was, came. Yeah. <clears throat> she, yeah. Came
0: to, she wanted to see Dad. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. 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 And so, yeah, we were home for one night and then off he went. To, yeah. And I, I obviously didn't go. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't go for the first few rounds. Oh, I don't even know how many rounds, to be honest. Um, obviously, it's hard with a newborn. So for a while I would go with him, um, to have the appointment with the oncologist and I would bring Ayla. And then obviously she couldn't be there when he went down to have treatment. So Mm. I would then go home and his dad would come in and spend the day with him and bring him home later. But, um, yeah, he then couldn't hold Ayla. He couldn't really be around her Mm. too much at all. Um, which was okay when she was a baby, but gets very confusing as she gets older because it's obviously sometimes you can cuddle or you can (laughs) wrestle or you can do all these things and then other times it's like why are you getting cranky at me like we did this last week or whatever it is and it's like oh no um yeah so that was um confusing and same deal with the scans like as she got older there was just sometimes where I would say to him can you just say your parents tonight because it's just easier than having to be like you can't go
0: near your dad, like, yeah. <laughs> that's so yeah. confusing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first, Loz, you know, I've only got to know you in the last year or so. But, you know, you're such a, a strong woman and, and, and mother. And, you know, I can't believe I begin to imagine what it was what it was like um, going through everything that you, that, that you went through. But um, and obviously you had to continue being strong for for yourself and for Ayla and, and, for, and for Glenn and everybody around you. um. So I just, yeah, massive admiration for you and, and, and Ayla and, and, and Glenn in that situation. Thank you. Um, so, so how did it progress? What, what then happened with, with Glenn?
2: Yeah, um, so the chemo continued on a fortnightly basis for a, I'm going to say probably a year or more and things were just sort of... Um, wow, no, no breaks, just... Yeah, literally just yeah, kept, okay. kept going. yeah. Um, and then... Um, so they do bloods every fortnight before the chemo and that's like they assess like the markers and everything and things did reduce a little bit for a while. Um, he then moved out to chemo every three weeks. Um, so he did that for a bit. And then there was about six months where he was on tablet form. So he wasn't having to go to the hospital, Mm, which was just amazing. Um, we traveled, we went up, like we drove like up the East coast to like Queensland and stuff. Um, yeah, we, I guess we had a sense of like normal. Um, but then, he got bloods done and it wasn't good again. So it was back to the fortnightly chemo and everything. In the meantime, like through all of that, they did try some different things, um, like a radiation they threw in there for a while. Um, They did um, a procedure to try and help grow his liver, um, because there was hope that perhaps if the size of the liver could be bigger, that they could do another operation and cut out a lot of the tumours, but you have to be left with a certain amount of liver for you to be able to mm. function. Mm. Um, and that, it didn't work, so that then didn't become an option. Um, they did some targeted treatments where they would actually go in through his ribs um, with, like, big needles, and they would, like, inject into the tumours, wow. which was wild. So it was, it was like a guided... Um, think they called it maybe like a guided CT or something like that um but yeah for the most part it was just the chemo Mm -hmm. like the fortnightly chemo um and then after a while your body builds like a tolerance so then they mix up the drugs um they did that again it wasn't it wasn't shrinking or anything it was just sort of like keeping it yeah as it is um and then that's stopped working so the oncologist was sort of like we've exhausted all our options um i'm going to try and get you in for a clinical trial um so we then did that through peter mac um that was another big process just like the paperwork that was required and the parameters that you had to fit within to be able to be accepted onto the trial um by then covid was also around um so that was like another thing that came into it like us having to be careful obviously because he's like immunocompromised as well um and then with peter mac that was super strict which you can like understand but in the end i wasn't allowed to go to his appointments um sometimes which was uh, also hard (laughs) Um, and then The trial at Peter Mac stopped working, so then there was another trial that they were going to try and get him on, which was back at Cabrini. Um, So this was December of 2020. Um, He was sent to do a whole heap of tests as part of this, like, onboarding of the trial. Um, And they realised that lots of his other, um, like, readings on his bloods were, like, way off. Um, And he, like, really wasn't well. And then within, like, a couple of days, he was, like, admitted to hospital um, and just got really sick really fast. Um, And then... So he was discharged from there, and then we started palliative care. Um, So we got through that Christmas, and then I think he was back in hospital on the 27th of December super sick mm. um and that's when they were like yeah like we're gonna start palliative care um and we had always discussed that um palliative care wouldn't be like out of hospital so we did it at home and <laughs> that was so hard <laughs> So so hard. Um, obviously having Ayla. Sorry, yeah, at this time she's just turned three, and trying to deal with Glynn as well. Um, yeah. Like I look back now, I actually don't know how I did it. <laughs> mm. yeah. Yeah. That's, that's
1: incredible. Loss. <clears throat> hey, Lauren. Going back to like up until. I think it was December 2020 when he, when he he um, took a turn yep. for the worst. How were you and Glenn parenting during that mm. stage? Like, what we, was it? Was it, it like choose it, treat every day like a blessing? Was it like, well, what was the mindset and yeah. how to do it?
2: Yeah, um, I would say it was very up and down. Yeah, um, I think obviously the sicker he got the harder the days became like for both of us and trying to manage like your own feelings and then the feelings of like to other people as well Mm -hmm. um yeah I think we just we were such a good team like we really were such a good team at work like and at home and I think we've been together for like 13 years so you just you know each other so well and I think we just learnt to read each other really well and you would just know when, you know, today's not your day so I'm just going to do this or sometimes, you yeah. know, I would just have to say, like, are you happy to whatever it is because I just need to, yeah, I don't know, and just need to go do the groceries. Yeah. Like, do you think you can, whatever. And, like, at that time, I guess the biggest blessing was Ayla was still day sleeping. She still day slept for, like, quite a while so... I knew that I could put her to bed and then I could go to the shops or mm. I wasn't really interested in working out at that time. I didn't have enough energy, but you know, I just knew that like, I just had that breathing space of, mm. um, mm. yeah, doing that sort of thing. Um, I would say we had a pretty similar parenting style though. Mm. Uh, he was a lot more fun than I am, but <laughs> um, yeah, he just, yeah. He had so much love.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, so, uh, so he, he, you did palliative care at home, as yep. you said. Um, did you, did Ayla see Glim during palliative care? Yeah. yeah. So
2: that was, um, I guess, like part of the reason why we wanted to do it at home. One was because It was such a, like, you know, so much a nicer environment. He just, he hated hospitals. And Mm. you can understand why Mm. you would hate hospitals after spending so much time in them. Um, So having the freedom to have people come and go when Mm. you want, Mm. to have the comfort of your own home, to have our dog, who he just loved, um, to have her around. And then Ayla as well, like, him to be able to see her whenever. Whereas with the hospitals, particularly with COVID, They were super strict on Mm. visitation. Mm. Hours, times, who Mm. it was, when it was, like Mm. all of that. Um, So, yes, she definitely saw him. Um, We had a hospital bed for him. Mm. Um, We had a a, a seat in the shower. Like, you know, we had a lot of um, different things. She never saw me give him any injections or drugs or yeah. like anything like that like I was I was careful um, as to like how much she was exposed to but I also think it was probably easier for her to understand what was going on to be able to actually see it mm-hmm. um, and to be around it then
1: yeah. were well, you getting got I know we've spoken before about about Ayla and yep. you've had professional help yes. and which is you know which is amazing yeah. Were you seeking help during that? As you were preparing for Glyn to pass away, you were just going off what you thought was right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. And I look back now and I I wish, I guess, that I had have done that, but...
0: Mm. I don't know how you'd have capacity. Exactly. And yeah. that and that's the thing. Physically and mentally. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah that's for sure the thing. Um, mm. Yeah, it was a, like the strangest of times. And I've never felt so horrendous as I did at like during those last few weeks and then the months after like Mm. the feeling of grief is just like I really can't like describe it Mm. um like having your worst hangover I would say like Mm. just that brain fog couldn't remember things properly I just felt awful Mm. um the tiredness like just so so tired Um, Yeah, but after, like not long after he passed, um, yes, I definitely reached out Mm. and and got help. And to be fair, I actually didn't know what type of help or how much help was available for children of that age. Like Mm. when it was recommended to me for her to see a child psychologist, I knew that they existed, but I don't know, I guess I'd always thought... I I don't know, like a 12-year-old or, Mm. you know, something like that. Mm. But I was sort of like, how does that work with a three-year-old? And then to see, like, art therapy and play therapy and, like, all these things that they do um, is incredible, Mm. like, amazing. And to actually be there when they do it as well and to watch the strategies and, Mm. like, all of that um, is huge.
0: Mm. Yeah. 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 What kind of questions her behaviors, was was Ayla demonstrating in the lead up to, to Glenn passing and, and during the grieving process, yep. how did she react you yeah. say she's three years old? It's yeah,
2: yeah. Um. So I would say in the lead up, and again, I don't know if I was just so busy with Glenn that I wasn't taking it in as much, but I would say in the lead up too, she was, I wasn't seeing anything that was too abnormal she was definitely waking more at night time um but otherwise i didn't really notice anything that was like out of character um after he passed um there was a bit of confusion but i honestly feel like she grasped the concept mm. a lot better than i thought that she would because yeah. um, i had heard a lot that the children particularly that age don't understand the whole he's not coming back like the they understand that he's not there right now, but they don't understand mm. that he's not coming back. Um, so I feel like she grasped that part of it quite well. So much anger. She had. So much anger. Mm. Yeah. So I would say that's like mainly how hers came out. And um, a lot of it was directed at me because obviously I'm the one that's there and mm. um, whatever. Um, lots of nightmares. Yeah. Um, And she would explain them, and they were super vivid Um, things happening to me, always. Okay. Like, she would say that I was with my best friend, and then there was, um, you know, like, I fell off a cliff, or, like, whatever it was. And it was always centred around me not coming back. Mm -hmm. And so then her being left with my best friend, and um, or she'd dream about things happening to our dog as well. Um, And she would be so upset, Mm -hmm. like, as you can imagine, like... Um, Yeah, so I would say that was probably the main, like, differences that happened right after. Um, So the night that he actually passed, I had called mum that day, um, and I had just said to her, we'd had the palliative care nurse out that day. At that stage, the nurses were coming once a week, um, and she'd come that day. And I called mum, and I was super overwhelmed. And I just said to her, I was like, can you come and pick Ayla up? And can you have her tonight? Because tonight is gonna be a hard night. We changed up all his meds and stuff, and I just knew it was gonna be tricky. Um, And by that stage, I was having to inject him. And I was like, I just, if she's waking up having nightmares and I'm having to do stuff with him, I'm like, it's too much. So mum came over, Ayla had dinner, at ours. Um, Glen was obviously there. And then she said, And then he died that night. And so, when Ayla comes back in the morning, of course she's looking for him. Mm-hmm. And he's not there. So, like, even now, it's super tricky leaving Ayla. Because that's, like, her biggest fear, Mm. is me not coming back. Um, And it's more so if I leave her at night time Mm. than it is during the day. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry,
1: <laughs> Tommy. We normally talk on the podcast about trying to get sunny shoes on, and you know, <laughs> and like, yeah. and yeah, wow, 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 yeah, put <laughs> things into
0: perspective, wow, <laughs> wow. Well. yeah, I mean, obviously, your, your intuition knew that, you know something was going to happen that night, and I think mm-hmm. you know, you, you did what you had to do, and um. Mm-hmm. Cause you, you, you always talk a lot about looking after yourself as well mm. to be the best person you can mm. be for yeah. everybody else, and somewhere in that, yeah, I don't know, I don't know how or when, but you, you, you had to, to protect yourself a little bit as well, yeah. yeah. So, how,
1: um, so fast forwarding, and you know, anyone that knows Ayla, she's this vibrant <laughs> ball of energy, um, so she's five, she goes, she's in prep, yep, um, how often do you guys talk about? Does she she often bring Glyn up? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, I would say it does sort of fluctuate, though. Um, And funnily enough, it's very much like as if I was to go to a psychologist. Once she has seen the psychologist, her behaviour will change for the week after. She will wake up more at night time. She will talk about him more. She will ask me more questions. Um the psychologist obviously like triggers things in her Mm, mind and whatever else. And so it will, it will come out, um, behaviorally. Sometimes it comes out too. Um, so I would just like, yeah, I would say that it fluctuates. Um, she will still cry every week about missing him. She will say that she misses him most days Mm. and we will talk about him every day. Mm. Yeah. Mm, yeah.
1: Mm, What about, how is Ayla, so Ayla is super affectionate. Yes, and, she is. And <laughs> especially towards men, I've yes. noticed, to men th- that she knows. Interesting
2: pick up, yeah.
1: Do you think that, oh, this is a really hard question, and I don't even know, no one knows the answer to this, yeah. but do you think that is it's got something to do with Glyn passing? Yeah. Or is that just who she is?
2: No. I is think, your take? I think it has something to do with him passing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So what's your take on that?
2: I think, I think she finds it nice. I think she finds it like, yeah, I think she gets comfort out of it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, as I said, we talk about the village a lot and I think it's really important that, you know, that, you know, that Sam and I certainly speak for ourselves. And a lot of the guys in our close friendship group are, are, are there for you as well as obviously you know the mums and and all the family and that you've always got to use that that village um for you and 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 for Ayla Mm -hmm. and I think it's amazing that you you talk about him every day yeah you know Mm -hmm. to and you know thank goodness that Ayla Ayla met him yes you know that together you can keep keep that memory alive and Mm -hmm. always talk about him and, and that you had that Six week trip to yeah. the coast. I think that's amazing. Yeah, All those memories and the photographs, just to get away from. Yeah, get away from the, the, the chemo and everything that you were going yeah. through.
2: I think that's a great thing about like <coughs> technology as well. And I I like I am guided by her sometimes, but to be able to show her like the photos and the videos and yeah, yeah. stuff like that. Like she will have times where she doesn't want to see it. Yeah, and then there'll be times like when she asks for it, mm. and I'm like, how cool is that that like, I can actually show her that. Mm. Um, but, yeah, like, obviously, we've still got photos, like, all through the house. And, yeah, there's lots of lots of stuff that, I don't know, she still associates certain cups or glasses or whatever as being, like, daddies. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have favourite cups in your house that you always yeah, yeah. use. And just some, um, yeah. yeah, just, like, little things like that or things that we built around the house or painted around the house or, mm. like, yeah, whatever is, like, really, like, nice mm. reminders. Mm. Yeah.
0: Do you, do you feel as if you do you try and play that a little bit as well? Or is that something that you consciously don't do or you just kind of let happen?
2: Mm, I can't say I've really thought about it in that sense. Um, I know that she like loves wrestling and like all that sort of stuff. So, sure, sometimes I'll be like okay, Lauren, I, like, literally give myself a pep talk. Mm. It's time to be the fun parent, like. Because <laughs> it's so I easy. to do to... myself up to wrestle
0: with Ayla. <laughs> but that's the thing. I just
2: think, like, it's so easy to just get bogged down in the, the to-do lists and yeah. the, like, whatever yeah. else. And so sometimes it, like, you know, it's mm. easy to forget to do that stuff. So, yeah. like, I actually do love it when I'm, like, no, we're going for a bike ride. We're doing, like, whatever. So, yeah, mm-hmm. sometimes I would say I make more of a conscious effort. I wouldn't necessarily tip say be the dad but yeah. to do things that um perhaps aren't my everyday yeah if that makes sense yeah yeah absolutely yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. yeah. and what about with with ayla like mm-hmm. what 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 are your um when you think about her and her growing up with it with without a dad what yes. are your concerns for her if any
2: yeah no i definitely i definitely have them um I would still say like forgetting him because yeah. like I know realistically the age that she was when he died. Mm. I I don't know, like I had always been told that she probably won't like remember a lot of it. Mm. Um, so I guess that's um one thing and all you can do is keep the photos and mm,
0: like, keep talking. Yeah, yeah that sort of stuff.
2: Um can I, can I
1: give you a really uneducated, you know, we said we're not, we're not professionals, right, on here, but my very uneducated, unprofessional opinion would be she might not ex- remember him explicitly, mm. but she'll remember him implicitly. She'll remember yeah. the love yeah, that sure. he showed and cuddling and the warmth and the safety I'm sure she'll Absolute. remember that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree with that.
2: Yeah, um, he was super, like sentimental as well, even before he was sick, um, because I used to think it was just like when he was sick. But then when I looked back, I was like, no, he actually always was mm-hmm. like that. Um, so he's actually written her letters and like things for like when she's older.
0: Wow, wow,
2: which is pretty special. Um,
1: Do you have them in a safe?
2: Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I literally went yeah. to butting, so it's like, yeah, yeah. got a fireproof one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, And then otherwise I think just having like good male role models mm. is like really all I can do because mm. like there is never going to be anyone that like will replace him and like mm-hmm. whatever so mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's just, and whether that I okay, there's like so many layers to that but I've already thought, you know, at school, like I would love to for her to have a male teacher. Um at some stage I think would be really good. Mm. Um and then yeah, obviously having different male role and mo- mo- male role mm. models. <laughs> mm. Um, whether it's yeah, like friends or like her uncles mm. or like yeah, whoever mm. it is, but people that are there consistently. Mm. Um and I guess Children in general, they have really different relationships with like each individual and um, um, like whether it's male or female, um, which I really yeah I really love. Mm. Like I love watching the way she interacts with people and like the differences. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Does she have other um, key things about her personality that remind you of of, of Glenn specifically?
2: He had an amazing sense of humour, like very, very funny. And I find Ayla very funny. Um, So I would say she definitely gets that from him. Um, And he was pretty affectionate. Ayla's pretty affectionate. Uh, She's pretty stubborn. I would would say we're both stubborn. So, I mean, (laughs) I keep telling myself this is going to be a good thing when she's older. This is going to be a good thing when she's older. But, oh, my goodness, sometimes.
1: What about just, I mean, the the the... Um, the loss of Glenn obviously is re- is huge and so difficult for you and so difficult for Ayla, but also just the practicality of raising a kid on your own. You yeah. know, how are you going about that? Like are you do you get a lot of support from your family, from friends, or how do you how do you
2: manage? Mm. I am horrendous at asking for help. Um, which
1: is which I want to say is pretty consistent of the females in my life as well. Yeah, I wish right. you guys would be better at yeah. asking for help. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, I and like I'm aware of it as something that I need to yeah. work on, um, but yeah, like I I get help like whenever I ask for mm-hmm. it. I don't have anything regular set in, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like a every Tuesday and so picks her up or um, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but I do know that it's yeah, it's always yeah. there when I need it.
1: Um, What's interesting, I was thinking about um, your situation and in um. You know, preparing for this, and my sister, she is a solo parent. So she had a baby through a donor. Yeah. Um, But you know what's interesting? So she's a she's a you know it's not single. It's the the language is solo parent. She chose to be a solo parent. But that's that's I mean it's it's a subtle difference, but it's a difference. Like she went into it. She went into going to to um, become pregnant, knowing she's going to be raising. Ziggy, her a, a two-year-old, by her, on her own, and she prepared for that mentally and physically. But in your situation, that wasn't that wasn't the case, right? And that's yeah, it's it's well, yeah, it's just it's just a really difficult thing, I guess. Yeah. I imagine. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I would say, um, like, besides the logistics, for me, it was very much um, like an identity thing. So, obviously, when you have a child there's like a big identity shift because you've gone from like being work and whatever else to then like the mum role type thing. Um, But I think because I did that and became kind of a carer at the same time, it obviously changed then. But then when he died, it sort of changed again. Mm. So um, I think that's nearly where I've struggled more than the logistics. Right. Yeah, well. For now, anyway. Yeah. That might change.
0: No, I, I think that's a great point. And, and I think that's massive and it doesn't have enough attention, the roles that especially, I think, women um, kind of go through and, and, and change when when you start a family. Um, yeah, and you had the additional stress, as you say, of carer and then um, being on your own. Is there Are there any kind of tips that you would give to a parent who finds themselves for whatever reason on, on their own. Is there any sort of key things that you would you would say to anyone listening out there in, in this situation?
2: Yeah, um, I would highly suggest seeking pro- like professional help mm. um, for both themselves and any children that are yeah. involved. Mm-hmm. I think seeing the difference that it's made to Ayla, but also like the empowerment that it gave me, mm. um, like to have. The sounding board, because I think usually when you're in a relationship with someone else, like, Glenn and I would bounce things off of each other mm. all the time, mm. um, you would have the pat on the back of, like, mm. you are doing a great job, things like that. Um, so if you can get help like that, or perhaps from, like, a really good friend or family member that is going to give you the pat on the back and, like, help you out when you need it and mm. stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, think no, that's a great tip. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? I see a business coach once a quarter and we get to the end of the chat and I'm always like, oh, how are you, you know, Monique? And <laughs> she's like, well, no, no, that's not what we am for. Mm. <laughs> like, so now I ask her at the beginning to get it out of the way, I'm like, okay, cool. Cause it, you speak about yourself for like an hour, hour and a half, which you rarely, you yeah. rarely do, right? So yeah, yeah great advice to, yeah. to get that therapy for, for you and any children. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Wow, it's a lot to take in, Lauren.
2: It's a lot. Yeah, it's, it a is.
1: Lot. it's a lot to take in, but amazing that you're still smiling and you're still, you know, in. Like from my perspective, an amazing mum, amazing contributor to the community yeah. that we've all. You know that we all found ourselves in, and um, yeah, I just yeah, if if the strength that you've shown through that process and then now and like, it's sort of. You know, it's you've you've got Ayla. You've got she's got a whole life ahead of her, and no doubt all of our kids are going to go through ups and downs. But um, yeah, you're going to have to you're going to have to manage that on you know in yeah. not on your own because you've got a, a network and and you know your family support and your community. But um, yeah, I think it's I think Ayla's very very lucky to have you. Um, the one thing I did want to ask is, and this is. Close to my heart because of what I do for a profession, which is similar to what you do for a profession. But, um, and it is on a bit of a tangent, but I think it's an important message um, is around, you know, no one expects as a late 20 year old or a 30 year old that you're going to get something, have something like cancer. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: and I work in finance. I've never spoken about it on the podcast before, but in, in our business, we've seen families really going through the loss of someone, going through the tr- trauma of losing someone, but then the devastation of, you know, finan- like the financial yeah. ruins that they find themselves in as well.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and, you know, so so I guess what I'm referring to here is 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 our insurances, to mm-hmm. making sure that, that young men and young women, um, and not just young, actually, but just that people understand the insurances they've got in place yeah. because... If something, you know, what is to happen to like if something was to happen to Mel? Now I'm the primary income earner, but yeah. if something happens to Mel, I can't do what I do.
2: Yeah,
1: either I've got to pay for a significant amount of help, or I've got to stop working. Um, so I mean, I'm not, I don't really know if this is a question for you, but you're a financial planner. Yeah. insurance is a big part of it. Like, what would your sort of advice be to anyone listening that doesn't have any idea which? Let me just add, most yeah. young Australians don't have any idea sure. about their insurances. Yeah. What would your advice be?
2: Um, yeah, I would advise to definitely go and see a financial planner. Yeah. And sit down with them. They yeah. go through your position, your assets, your liabilities, yeah. and then work out what you should really have in place. And I think, like, obviously, given the current climate, there's not a lot of spare cash floating around, mm. um, but I really don't. Like, I never looked at having insurance as a cost. I looked at it as an investment. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, you're right. Like it, uh, The insurances that Glyn had in place allowed him to not be at work, mm. but still receiving money. Mm. Um, when I mentioned that we ended up going private um, with all of his treatments, the out-of-pockets were still huge. Yeah. Um, his surgery... A loan that he had, I think, would have been about 15 grand for, mm-hmm. like, the anaesthetist and, like, all of that stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, most people don't have 15 grand to just, like, pluck out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that enabled him to get the best care that yeah. there was. Yeah. Um, and it allowed me to take time off to look after Ayla, to yeah. look after him. Yeah. And, like, spend quality time together. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: So that's a call to action. This is definitely not a sales <laughs> program. But if you, if you haven't, and most people don't, no. get it checked. Because it's one of those ones where you don't, you know, you don't, uh, like I, I recently had a, a, a minor scare. It ended up being nothing recently. But um, dentist found a little lump under my tongue. And then um, said, if it doesn't go by whatever it was, go see a GP. Went saw a GP. And the first thing the GP said was, oh, shit, we need to biopsy that. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. And it turned out to be benign. But for that couple of weeks wait yeah. in between, you know, the the, the the doc, like that and then getting the results. And you can't, you go down some pretty dark, yeah. <laughs> you go to some pretty dark places. Um, but fortunately, I know that I've got all that, that financially, yeah. Mel and the boys would be okay if I was, you know, if something was to happen. And I just implore everyone to go out and check and make
2: sure you got your stuff yeah. up to date. Well, it's still a physical check and a financial check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's... And,
1: and look, actually, you know, funnily enough, you say that because my doctor, a local guy who's awesome, um, he said, he actually said, because he's listened to the podcast and he said, encourage yeah. me because we've still got this thing with blokes that they don't want to go to the doctors. Yeah. They don't want to get checked. Go get checked. right get you. So I'm now 36. Yeah. Yep, 36. And I'm doing, and I now will do annual checkups, just yeah. blood tests and all that kind of stuff, um, because you're better off getting onto it as soon as yeah. possible, right? Rather than going, oh, she'll
0: be right, she'll be right, she'll be right. And yeah, then, yeah. yeah, yeah. Flick recently had a, it a cervical screening. Yeah. yeah. And I was amazed. She and she forwarded me this text message afterwards that said, you know, thank goodness, that she was clear, and it said, oh, you next need to book in on this date. And I was like, wow, there's like a like i don't know if it's something that she's in but it's there's a program Mm. you know there's not it's not that for for blokes i i don't think or not that i know of i'm just
1: just going back every yeah and I, and i know
0: that it's not like I don't know, do you get a letter in the post or... I, I don't know. I know we have to cut it Letter in the post, it. man. It's not the 1980s. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean, you would usually get yeah, a text message yeah. to say it's that a, it's due. Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And the other one... Well, the other one there well, is, is skin cancer checks as well. Yeah. I yes. think um, I've just read for the first time, had checks, and now I'm going to do that annually as well. Mm. As much as it's, at the time, it's a pain in the arse yeah, and sure. there's a million reasons not to do it, I just think it's, yeah, really important that we're all... We're all getting checked.
2: Does a million yeah. and one two to it? Yeah, well there you go. Yeah. <laughs> just,
0: just before before we kind of wrap up, I yeah. do have one question. I'm absolutely blown away by the, the the period conversation we had at the beginning with your with your coach. Mm-hmm. Is there anything as a, as a dad of three girls yes. that um, you know I should be? Um, well, I'm now aware of of that pressure that I wasn't mm. aware of before. So yeah. thank thank you for that. But. How did you want your dad to react in that situation? You said you had conversations with your mum about mm-hmm. that. Um, is there anything dad should be, could have been doing? Or would you, at that age, do you prefer dad stays out of it? Because your dad probably would have known.
2: I actually don't know, to be honest. Like, I mean, I guess he would have assumed by that age that it it would have. It just wasn't something that we ever yeah. discussed in our family. Yeah. I don't know whether that's because I was, like, the only girl. Yeah. Having two brothers. Um... Or whether or not it was still, like, a generational thing from, like, him growing up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, like, I guess regardless, would just always want to feel supported. Mm -hmm. So I guess back then if the doctor was saying that this is, like, all good and my coach is saying to do it, like, I would hope that... Like they would be on board with that. Yeah. Um, I guess now knowing what we know, I yeah. probably wouldn't recommend doing that. Yeah. But um, yeah, what yeah. about
1: what about letting your daughter get advice from strange men saying trip people up in foot races? What do you, where do you stand on that? Is that is that
2: look? Knowing Ayla, she would probably <laughs> she listen to your <laughs> yeah, advice, yeah, so I'd prefer to stay away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The
1: reason I could say that to Belle is because Belle's the last girl on earth that would actually actually (laughs) ever trip someone up.
0: So so true. Um, I know Glenn liked his his golf. and And you've just recently uh, done the second fundraiser that I wasn't able to attend, but I know Sam was there and Mm. um, said it was an incredible day in in many, many different ways. Yeah. If somebody out there does want to make a contribution or anything to, yeah. to a charity? Is it a charity that you raise money for on the golf day?
2: Yeah, yep. Yeah. So we, um, Glyn's sister and I, we set up um, the Never Too Young charity. Well, so Never Too Young is it's, falls under Bowel Cancer Australia um, and they target young Australians um, around knowledge with prevention of bowel cancer, but then also anyone that is diagnosed with bowel cancer Linking them with resources um, that are more targeted to challenges that younger people would face, um, so like naturally it fits fits in with us um, and the trends of young people being diagnosed is on the increase, yeah. um, which is really scary. So we now do a, a golf day that we run um, annually, and any funds raised go to Never Too Young.
1: Um, did you raise, how, how did the numbers go this year? Did you raise more than last year? Less. less. It was a bit less than okay. last year. Yeah. Okay.
2: Um, I don't know if that was given the climate's a bit different or yeah. because when we did it last year, we thought it was going to be a once-off. So whether or not I'd, like, really right. got people involved, I'm not sure. Right. But, um, yeah, so... You, um, the one that we had raised just over 28 and I think the one before was just over 32. Okay. Yeah. It's awesome is it yeah. is though. Was yeah. It,
1: all, it was such a great day, it yeah. was so well run. I mean, me and my group of golfers were probably the worst on the <laughs> that
0: would yeah. I'll come next year because people pay good money to have a laugh at my guys yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we set up, yeah. um, we've set up an Instagram um account now and that does have a link to like if anyone wants to just donate like a dollar value otherwise it will keep updating for when we book in next year's date and it will have all the information as to yeah so and the handle is is
0: never too young or yeah Yeah, never too young golf day yeah cool Uh, and the the day is in late march
2: Yeah, so it depends on the club's availability, usually around April. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah on a Friday. I
1: have to say, was it was so being there and, yes, you know, so it was golf and then lunch after and, and, like, just so well run. But seeing you up there and, um, you know, I know you're incredibly nervous about speaking in front so of the crowd and it wasn't necessarily something you necessarily wanted to do, but I think you thought it was yeah. necessary. But you, were, you spoke so well in front of, what, a couple hundred people. Yeah, yeah. You spoke so well and so openly and, like, it just killed me, like, having Ayla up there by your side. Yeah. And, I mean, I was an absolute mess. Um, but I can't, I, I think, in my unprofessional opinion, though, but just to talk about keeping Glenn alive. Yeah. And, like, being an amazing role model for for, for Ayla um, and not you know, and, and celebrating his life and using it for a, a great call. I just thought it was awesome and amazing. So well done. Yeah, thank well you. Done.
2: I think it's a really nice way for her to see everyone come together mm. and, like, feel the love. Because you really do. Like, when you're mm. in the room, you like you really mm. do feel it. And then just watching her cuddle all the boys yeah, yeah, throughout yeah. the day. Um, yeah. yeah, it was. It was, yeah, really yeah. special. Yeah, awesome.
1: Hey, Loz, thanks very much. Thank thanks you. Thanks for coming in. Thank out. you like, so amazing. much. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Like, share, subscribe, and all that rad dad stuff.
1: Remember, we're all just dads doing our best. No pressures, no guilt, just a lot of love and talk. If you're struggling with anything, reach out to someone. A problem shared is a problem halved.